Hi, everybody, and welcome to Sister Strange. I'm Corey. I'm Holly. And we are sisters, obviously, who are just really interested in the sort of weirdness of the world around us. Um, welcome to the first episode of our podcast. Woo! Yay! Uh, yay! <laughs> um, we are currently residing in New England, so a lot of our stuff is kind of focused around it, but not really at the same time. So, really quickly, what is this podcast going to be? Um, obviously, from the title of this first episode, we're going to be talking a lot about cryptids. Um, I have a soft spot for cryptids mm-hmm. and critters. Um, I know Holly does, too. Yes. We're going to be doing a little bit of ghost chat. I think we've got some spookies going on on our our list of stuff to talk about. A um, little bit abandoned places, haunted places. Mm-hmm. Allegedly haunted and abandoned and um, I mean, cursed places. A little bit of true crime in there. Um, we will be talking about a little bit about the natural world, too. So um, we'll get there when we get there. Yes. What is this podcast not? I don't think we really want to talk about sort of conspiracy theory type stuff. Um, there, I'm sure there's going to be certain episodes that are going to touch on a couple of them because it relates to the subject matter. But it's not like, oh my god, what's his name? The crazy one who's being sued. The crazy one who's being sued. There's a lot of those. By uh, Sandy Hook parents. What's his name? Everybody does the remixes of him. I got nothing. Hold on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so yeah, probably not entire episodes focused on conspiracies. We'll touch on conspiracy theories if they relate to the subject we're talking about. Um, probably not going to be a lot of alien chat, to be honest. Again, unless it directly relates to, because aliens weird me out. Why? Aliens creep me out, man. Like I love the fact that something about the idea of being like abducted. But kind oh, of. that part's not about. But the fact that Ugh. it is statistically very, 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 very slim that we are the only planet that is inhabiting some kind of intelligent life. Oh, totally. Like it's not. It's 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 impossible. And it's still weirds me out. I like it. <laughs> All right. We'll Alex Jones, by the way. Alex Jones. I'm not as familiar with it. Um. So yeah. So Holly, what is our first episode about? Our first episode is about cryptids of New England. However, cryptids of New England. However, I have chosen one that is not based just in New England because yes. Yes. <laughs> because because I, this has. This one has a very special place in my heart, and where I'm currently residing um, is where a lot of those sightings are have actually been recorded and happening, and I'm just going to start, I guess. Go for it. Um, <laughs> my first cryptid is actually Bigfoot. Ooh, okay. Um, I live closer to um, the Massachusetts border, so I'm way up in the mountains, it's cold all the time. It sucks. But I live in the... Do I want to... Eh, why not? Um, I live 
pretty much up in the Berkshires. And there have been since, I want to say it's, most of these sightings have happened more on the Massachusetts end. However, there have been approximately between 10 and 15 recorded sightings in my area in the past 10 or 20 years. That's a lot. Because mm-hmm. when you think Bigfoot, you think like Pacific Northwest and Canada and like <clears throat> out there in the mountains. But like that, that seems like a lot for New England. Yes. Like the other side of the country. Like I said, there there's more A, up where it's less inhabited and mm-hmm. B, closer to the Massachusetts border. Right. Um, but. The hotspots are Rue 196 in Woodstock, uh, Barkhamston Forest. Okay. Um, Hertford County, actually, someone had found a 16-inch footprint. Oh, wow. Okay. that's And that was back in 2003. I mean, that's small for Bigfoot, a 16-inch, but that's, that's a good it's size footprint. It's a baby footprint. Bigfoot. It's fine. <laughs> it's a baby. It's a little one. For those of you who live under a rock and have no idea what a Bigfoot is, it is a humanoid figure covered in either brown or black hair or fur that is approximately between 6'9 and taller. Um, I believe tallest someone said on my particular source about 7'2, which to me, that's not that tall. Like, no. it's, but it's not that tall. Well, because we've grown up with 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 guys like in our life who are like six two six three, so adding another foot on that doesn't seem that no. I mean that far fetched, but I mean that is still massive for a human being. Oh, absolutely. They essentially get their name because they have very large feet, which is one of their other prominent attributes. So not only have there been sightings in Connecticut, my particular area has a little legend of its own called the Winstead Wildman. Is a person who lives in the more forested areas of Winstead, who is a recluse, doesn't talk to people, sounds like my kind of guy. Um, But a lot of people are saying, what if it's a Bigfoot? Or he's a Bigfoot. So there's a little bit of debate on that, but the descriptions of him are almost identical to what a Bigfoot would be, only shorter. I personally don't have any sightings of a Bigfoot in my personal life. Never seen a big feet? I have never seen a big feet. I'm still looking, though. I have... (laughs) Hey, I have four uh, state parks within, like, five miles, and they're all very woody. So, so can you time? Can you talk more about the Winston Wildman? I'm not as familiar with that. Yes, absolutely. Whole situation, like like, what time period are we talking here? Uh, there have been three solidified sightings starting as early as 1810. I want to say oh, it is. Okay. There hasn't been a newer sighting since I want to say 2007. One website says um, that there were only two sightings 80 years apart okay the first one being in 
1895, the second one being 80 years later. Uh, other websites will say there have been more than five over that time period. Um, I actually heard about it when I first moved up here from one of my coworkers because she compared my husband to the Winstead Wildman before he gets his hair cut or his beard trimmed. <laughs> Which I, she's not wrong. <laughs> but the eyewitness account that I have found from 1895 was by a gentleman named Riley Smith um, walking his dog in the woods. Do you know the dog's name? Do they tell you the dog's name? But I can tell you what kind of dog. What kind of dog was he? He was a bulldog. Oh. To but like, quote, like before bulldogs were super brachycephalic and squished. Yeah. So like a proper bulldog. Yes. Good. Um, to quote the site that I'm currently using, which is Damned Connecticut. Love Damned Connecticut. Yes. Uh, it was witnessed by a select man, Riley Smith, who was out in the woods with his bulldog, merrily picking berries and minding his own business, when a creature came along, causing Riley to be badly scared, and his dog was fairly paralyzed with fear. He is, descri- he is described as a wild, hairy man of the woods, six feet in height. Now, back in 1895, that would be really, really tall. Yeah. Yeah, now it's two inches shorter than most of the guys I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, adding that, the man's hair was black and hung down long on his shoulders, and that his body was thickly covered in black hair. The man was remarkably agile and, to all appearances, was muscular, brawny man, a man against whom any order, ordinary man would stand little chance. A big dude. Big dude for them. Okay. Um, So, so are they saying it was, it was just a hairy human? Is that what they're implying? Or is it a hairy humanoid creature? Because it's kind of like two different things that. See, that's where it gets, the Winston Wildman is actually kind of a nice gray area. Because okay. some people will say, oh, it's just a Bigfoot, and other people will say, no, he's too small to be a Bigfoot, he's his own entity. What do you think? I think it's just some dude that decided to live off the grid and wants to be left alone by everybody. So, like a 1985 camping hipster. Mm, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, okay. But eight decades later, he shows up again in 1972, which is... When everybody was hairy and dirty <laughs> living in the woods. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> and then two years later after that, 1974. Okay. So he's, he's uh, not consistent. No. He's kind of like a local, not staple even. No. I mean... Definitely very localized. If you tell, if you ask anyone up here in the area I live in about it, they'll be like, oh, yeah. I'm like, okay. Um, <laughs> if you say so. Uh, yep. Uh, the 1974 uh, account was seen by two couples. Oh, okay. Who had been. Oh, extra eyes. Yep. Who had been parked at Rugbrook Reservoir. Police described 
described to the police being terrified seeing a six foot 300 pound creature covered in dark hair in the moonlight so not only were they out and about but they were at a reservoir at night is that reservoir kind of like a lover's lane situation like what is that why they were there no it's an actual like reservoir probably walking their dogs or smoking pot because 1974. 1974. Because <laughs> <laughs> 1974. Okay. So, a lot of people say, oh, people are just seeing bears because they are everywhere, including my trash. Um, You've got, like, mainly black bears up there, right? Yeah. Um, brown bears are more west to us. Um, yeah, I have... To name a few, black bears, fisher cats, uh, bobcats, turkeys, foxes, coyotes. I literally live in the middle of the woods. I am the Winstead Wildman. Surprise, it's me. Surprise, it's Holly. Um, do, does, were there any accounts of sound going along with that? Because, like, Bigfoot <sighs> whoops and hollers are very distinct. Not that I speaking. found. Like, both sites one being wikipedia so who knows how reliable that is but nothing that i have seen has mentioned anything of sound okay. which makes it more interesting and it's hard because up in your area like because you've got so much wildlife activity you do hear something in the woods there's probably a really logical explanation for it and then there are times where it's not, but we'll talk about that one in a later episode because no. Um, <laughs> did I tell you the time where it was like, I don't know, like nine o'clock at night during the summer and it sounded like someone was whistling on our property? No. Okay. Tell me about the whistling. But it wasn't like normal whistling. It was really, really weird. Like it didn't mm. sound human. It sounded like something trying to be human. And I'm like, I'm going to stay inside and lock all of my doors. Oh, don't like that. No. Um, mm. But I have heard fisher cats up here. And again, terrifying. I've heard foxes up here. Also terrifying. Um, <laughs> bears don't really make too much noise. Like we have a mama bear that comes up. And decides to get into our dumpster. So she'll chuff at us, especially if she has her baby. She won't, like... Yeah, so they get grumbly. Yeah, they don't really make a very distinct noise. Well, I mean, it's distinct, but it's not, like, that... It's not, like, an... Yeah, it doesn't, like, carry. Correct. Okay. But... Weird. Okay. So, like I said, my theory is it's just some dude living out in the woods covered in hair wanting to be left alone, and everybody keeps finding him. But 80 years apart? That... So that means there's two unrelated individuals who are just sort of living off the grid. Yeah. Which isn't isn't impossible. No. Or I mean, you're seeing generations of, of Bigfoot. Which is more likely. Okay. Like, if but it's a very, I don't know if it's, forgive me, my neighbor is apparently doing things downstairs. Um, but I don't know if it's because of our area mm-hmm. that all of the accounts of Big Feet in Connecticut, Massachusetts, that area, they are all rather small. Like, 
small, short, just, small. Just grow them smaller in New England? Apparently. Oh, okay. You said like 7'2"-ish was the, the tallest? 7'2 was the highest number I could find in Connecticut. Okay. Not, I didn't really look too heavily into uh, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. But they just, either they're very young. Mm-hmm. Do you think, here's a question, do you think big feet migrate? Um, I mean, if, if they... Like nomadic almost? Probably. Um, I know there's been, at least out in the Pacific Northwest, there's been a lot of accounts of nests, sort of, the sort of the... the Kind, kind of like, like gorilla little, behavior. Yeah. Um, so like nests and things like that. And uh, gorillas do sort of have like a trot. Um, they do move around a little bit. Um, it's a little, I feel like it's a little different with quote unquote, and you can't see my finger quotes, megafauna. Yeah. In this case. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think they probably have a general area, but I don't know if they'll wander too much. So I don't know that you'll generally see... Um, like a Florida Bigfooty swamp ape situation up here, just because no. the climates are so different. But I'm wondering if like a Bigfoot from our area will travel to the um, northwest, like cross, stay in like that same uh, yeah. yep. climate region. Mm-hmm. Um, who knows? I mean, and I think until one is tangibly they're tagged or tracked um i think it's really hard to say yeah you know they're and they're animals that we just don't know enough about that we know they're concrete hard facts for yes uh, you know there there are sharks for example that we've seen two in the last 300 some years so we know absolutely nothing about them or we know so very little that they might as well be cryptids at this point. Right. Right. I'm looking at you, the fell shark. Look at you, Greenland shark. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, it would make sense that they would sort of wander in the same climactic region. Yeah. Uh, or climatic region, rather. Um, words are hard. Same sort of climatic region. Um, but yeah, I think it's really hard to say. Because even from New England to Pacific Northwest, you're looking at two relatively different areas. Yeah. With like, we don't get quite as much rain as, like, the Pacific Northwest does. No, we get all the snow. We get, well, they get snow, too. Not like we do up here. But it's it's just a very... It, it's different. Hmm. I I think even in... Even where we are, mm-hmm. our weather and climate is so different because I live up in the mountains. It's literally 10 degrees colder than where you are. You'll mm-hmm. get like rainstorm and I'll have two feet of snow. Right. Right. But so that's Bigfoot and the that's Bigfoot. Men. Very cool. Yes. What you got? So my first cryptid I'm going to talk about today is the spectral moose of Maine. Yes. Yes. So, Lobster Lake, Maine, 1891. Clarence Duffy, Duffy was a hunting guide in the area, right? 
he comes across this massive white bull moose, so a male moose, and he was so stunned he couldn't shoot shoot at the animal. Which, when you're a hunter, you see something massive, you shoot you it. Fail to shoot, you shoot it. And when he reported the encounter to people he knew later, no one believed him until another man, a lumberman named John Ross of Bangor, Maine, reported a similar count, encounter in the same area, in the same Lobster Lake area. The next year, Howard Van Ness of New York had an encounter of his own nearly 60 miles away. He was separated from his hunting party. He was able to fire on the am- animal, but that just made it mad. So Bull charged him, drove him into hiding, before, and he was, the, the moose just sort of like wandered around the area and kept looking for him before he eventually just sort of lumbered off. Which is right? very, which that right there is very interesting to me because bulls, m- mooses don't have that kind of um, drive. They don't go after people, like they'll drive you over a tree, but unless it's a mother with a calf, they right. won't continue to look for you. So for this to be a bull, like a male moose, um, I mean, they can get aggressive when they're protecting like, property or, or the, um, the females, but for yeah, instance, like, sort of obsessed, almost obsessively be in that area while he's still there, like that you, is weird. That's very weird behavior. More reports of this sort of spectral ghostly moose follow, right? 1895, so the first time we saw your Winston Wild Man, a taxidermist named Granville Gray caught a glimpse. Four years later, a Massachusetts man who was in the main area, Gilman Brown, who's close enough to the animal to count 22 points on one antler. Well, then. 22. So there are, like, strings of sighting in 1901, 1917, 1932, all of them detailing this massive white moose in the North Main woods. Some of them even say that it glows. It's sort of got this unearthly glow about it in the darkness. A 1938 article in, of all places, New Zealand's Evening Post references a man just named Houston and details this account. I quote, on his way to camp after a timber cruise around Chisuncook Lake, Houston came to an open bog of about 30 acres where 16 moose were feeding. Standing just inside the edge of the timber within 80 yards of the herd, he noticed three big bulls. He almost had the ague when he saw that two of them were like pygmies beside the third monarch of the herd, which he declared was a monster. Unquote. Now, white and albino moose are uncommon and even rare, but not unheard of. You know, moose that are 50% white are even protected by the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Act of 1997. So we're aware of them. Photos from around the world have popped up all over the internet of them being white or leucistic and albino, which are two very different things. Um, Do you want to makes... mm-hmm. elaborate on the difference? Just so, I have what the difference yeah. is. so albino creatures are completely white, right? And what makes an albino different is the red eyes, um, oh. pink eyes. Um, but leucistic is sort of um, an absence of pigment. So, so, mm-hmm. so one is completely absent of all melanin, including like the eye color. Right. And the other one's just absent of melanin or has a lack of melanin on coat? Generally speaking, yeah. Okay. And I made that maybe slightly off. That may be really simplifying it. Um, But like a white moose isn't necessarily albino. Okay. That's what we're getting at. I'm getting at. Yes. Um, 
but like white moose have popped up all around the world. Like there's pictures of them in Sweden and in Canada. They're everywhere. But what makes the spectral moose of Maine more than just a white moose is how big it is, right? Yes. Bull eastern moose. So I'll say I'll say it's Americana for those taxonomic, you know, science nerds out there. Um, average 5.6 to 6 point feet, six feet at the shoulder, right? They weigh, weigh roughly 1,400 pounds and average 8 to 12 point, points across five foot wide antlers. So they're they're big. They're big. That's 5.6 to 6 point feet at their shoulder. You still have a giant noggin on top of that. Yep. Spectral moose of Maine was reportedly double that. So 10 to 12 feet at the shoulder, weighing in at 2,500 pounds with an antler spread as wide as it was tall. And you remember Gillen Brown said it had more than double the average amount of points. So it's twice as uh, tall, almost not quite double as heavy as the average bull moose. Hmm. This thing is huge and white in the middle of the main woods. So what could the spectral moose of Maine actually have been? Well, a lot of accounts at the time so it was probably just a gray horse loose from the logging camp because they did so much logging up in the main woods, which is, is possible, but really unlikely. If, if it had been a female moose, maybe. So let's remember that this doesn't have, like, horse don't have antlers. Last to checked. But I beyond mean, that... Mm-hmm. There is a genetic disease that will cause calcified points to come from an animal. Right, but, but like that, that sort of animal isn't going to be selected for logging for work. No. Especially in the like the 1800s, early 1900s. No. Um, so, remembering how big the spectrum moose is, let's talk about some of the largest horse breeds in the world. Shires stand 17 hands minimum at the shoulders. That's 5-6 at the shoulders. Cool. The tallest horse in written record was a Shire gelding named Samson, who stood, get this, 22 and 5 eighth hands, just seven and a half feet at the shoulders at four years old. Big dude. He's a big horse. He's massive. Or he was massive. Um, he outweighed the spectral moose by about 800 pounds, but the spectral moose was still three to five feet taller. It was taller than the world's tallest horse, so let that sink in. Okay. Um, there haven't been any accounts of the spectral moose of Maine since 1938, um, but I don't know if that means it's doing a better job of hiding. If it is some sort of massive white megafauna, if it was actually some sort of unearthly ghost moose. Ghost moose. Ghost moose. Um, but yeah, and it, the weird thing is, not even weird, but I found a book. Um, called Monsters of Massachusetts, Mysterious Creatures in the Bay State by Lauren Coleman. And the spectral moose of Maine was detailed in this Massachusetts book. So, and, and I read the article, I read the section on it, and I, I don't recall seeing anything about it wandering further because moose are, have been seen in Massachusetts and Connecticut, um, which when we talk about my second cryptid, we'll touch back on that. But yeah, that's the spectral moose of Maine. Like you're talking a twice as large than average moose glowing white in the middle of the woods. Now I have questions. I might have answers. It sounds sort of magical, doesn't it? Like It does. It's, very, it's a very pretty picture. 
it's it's very Harry Potter. <laughs> Not gonna lie. It is a little Harry Potter. Um, so my questions. Mm-hmm. Question number one. What about gigantism? Um, like it's just like just a larger than average moose. Yes. I mean, it, obviously, it's a larger than average moose because giant moose. Like, like a standard larger than average moose. Yes. Like, like, there's nothing special about it. It just happens to be a, a large white moose. Yes. Um, I suppose it could be possible. Um, what were the dates again that it was seen between? Like, the first and the last-ish? 19, 1981 to 1938. So it's a good chunk of time. That's, what, 40-some years? How long can we seven years? Hold <laughs> on, I got a question. Let's find out. 15 to 25 years. Okay. Yeah. So that kind of rules out gigantism because usually animals with gigantism have a shortened lifespan. Um, right. So most, again, this thing is almost twice as old as a, uh, uh, an average moose if it's the same animal. You think, how po- plausible would it mm. be that there are two or more giant white mooses meese mooses what is the moose plural of mooses moose um probably really unlikely um i mean not impossible but not impossible but again it's really on that the impossible side of unlikely um but again the sheer size of this thing is what sort of boggles my mind like at the shoulder, it would as tall as my bedroom. Yes. At the shoulder, and again, you've got this giant noggin and this massive rack rack of antlers on top of it. Can you imagine how fast that thing is? Average speed for a moose is what between twenty five and thirty five. Something like that. Again, let's let's do some googling. Yeah, thirty five miles an hour at the fastest. So can you imagine something with twice as long legs? Yeah, it's got this beefy, heavy body, but... With a giant rat coming at you, you better book your ass up a tree. That's, I, I do not I do not begrudge Mr. Howard Van Ness nope. for getting his butt up a tree and hiding as long as he needed to. I mean, and he even fired on it. He shot the thing in the shoulder. So he just pissed it off even more. But he, he was able to Get a shot. At least get a shot in, yeah. So yeah, you're talking like every 16 years or so. Um, maybe not quite every 16 years, but there was like a 30 year span where every 16 years or so, there were a string of of sightings of this thing in the North Main Woods. Which again, it was even less populated now or then than it was now is now. So I don't know if this was a creature, like an actual thing. I don't know if the expansion into Maine um, and into the area sort of drove it even further north. I don't know if it's now like Canada's problem. <laughs> Here you go, Canada. You deal <laughs> Here you go, Canada. Or like upstate New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, that sort of like upper New England area. So that's the spectral moose of Maine. What else you got? My second cryptid is melon heads or frog people kind of yes um i like this one yes um so melon heads legend goes that 
in an indescript asylum somewhere in the three primary regions are Michigan, Ohio, and Connecticut. There was either a fire or a riot, and everyone dies except for a select few inmates who escape into the woods and continue to grow and flourish, but due to their due to not having a large enough gene pool, they develop these bulbous large heads. They tend to be smaller um, than your average person, and they tend to be very, very, very violent. They will attack people without being um, triggered, and that's kind of how it goes. Um, another very common uh, part of this legend is it's originally about children who were brought to an asylum who had, I'm going to butcher this, hydrocephalus, which is, yep. which is essentially water on the brain, which causes the skull cavity. It's really common in babies while their uh, skull is deforming defor- and still soft, so it can still uh, expand. Um, but it can cause mental impairment, personality change, um, poor balance, double vision, headaches, um, in more severe cases, vomiting, sleeplessness, seizures, downward pointing of the eyes. It can either be a birth defect or acquired later on in life. However, because of what it does, it essentially makes the head very bulbous, very round. Um, so it's about kids that got dropped off at these asylums with this particular um, defect or condition, and they would escape and once again live in the uh, live in the woods surrounding whatever asylum they were dropped off at, and attack people because because they're a not socially um, like they don't have the social skills and it can cause personality changes, which can lead to violent tendencies. So, in Connecticut, we have the, what is it, Litchfield Hills Penitentiary? or Fairfield Hills. Fairfield Hills. Fairfield Hills. Several variations of the um, melon heads are, it's more down towards you, uh, southwest, uh, Fairfield County, western New Haven yep. County, Eastern Fairfield County. Uh, a lot of them are really common in Trumbull, Shelton, Stanford, Monroe, Easton, Weston. Similar tales can be found in Seymour, Oxford, Milford, and Southbury. There are several different variations, which leads me to the subcategory of frog people, which is really common to where I in where I grew up. Um, yep. Or we grew up. Where. I currently live now. So, okay, the one, because it's broken up into two, the one uh, account of frog people that I have found is a gentleman was working for Meals on Wheels. His supervisor told him, when you get to this particular house, just put the food on the front porch, ring the doorbell, leave. Well, him and his partner decided to wait around in the bushes. Um, This very elongated hand and fingers comes out just brings the bag in the second half of that account is same thing they waited around this time 
a gentleman actually leaves and he has a very distinct face. It's very smushed, very thin lipped, very wide mouth, um, beady eyes, almost no nose, full head of hair though. Okay. Very tall, very lanky, brings the food in. Apparently there was also a girl that had a very similar um, facial structure, same kind of thing, which to me, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Like there are so many genetic deformities and things like that, that it could just be something along lines, those lines. Um, there was no, like there was no violence. There was just no interaction between the group. Right. It's a little bit more guarded, I guess. Mm -hmm. However, in Connecticut, going back to melon heads in general, in Connecticut, there are roads that are referred to as Dracula drives, which means they are secluded, rustic, single lane, usually dirt, dirt roads running through wooded areas. Um, and I have a list of eight that are more popular for seeing sightings of melon heads. So if we mm. ever want to go on a field trip. Um, okay. Um, the two that are the most vague um, are the roads around Lake Mohegan and Fair- Fairfield. Mm-hmm. And the paths and roads in and around Roosevelt Forest in Stratford. Aside from that one article on the frog people... I don't know if it's just me doing a really bad job of research because that's never been a strong point. I have not found a lot of eyewitness accounts. Um, if you go again, our friends, um, not our friends, but our friends at damnct.com, a lot of the comments on that article have people who grew up in the area of Milford, um, in Danbury, um, Monroe, Branford. Um, Shelton, uh, who have allegedly seen these people out and about. Which would make sense why I couldn't find any because my computer doesn't want to load any of the comments. Yeah, so um, there are people who say, um, quote-unquote, sure, anybody who kicked around Danbury in the 70s saw them all the time, which is a little unsettling. But now I'm really curious, and I kind of want to talk to our mom (laughs) mom because before a little bit of history about Danbury um before we had the Danbury Fair Mall we actually had the Danbury Fair which was kind of a state fair ish kind Mm -hmm. of situation going on yeah built on a swamp big old swamp Mm -hmm. but I'm wondering if like these high schoolers and kids would break into the fair after hours and just kind of search and look and come across things that they weren't supposed to, you know? Maybe. if they were in more of, like, a slummy area and tend to to keep to themselves. One of the comments, um, quote, I remember seeing the melon heads at McDonald's in Danbury. Besides their unusual appearance, they kept to themselves. Had an unsettling feeling, but they were quiet. See, and that's, this is the part that bothers me about the whole melon head frog people thing. There, mm. like I said earlier, there are so many different 
genetic issues that can happen that an entire family can have. Right. They don't fall under the category of frog people melon heads because they're just normal people that just so happen to have this genetic issue. Um, what I would personally classify a melon head or a frog person as someone who lives in the woods or mm-hmm. inhabits a wooded area who are, have violent tendencies towards other people and will go out of their way to attack them because they can. Um, a group of more than five, because even five is a good size family. Mm-hmm. But if you're seeing these people out and about in like everyday life, just leave them alone. Yeah. They're just trying to live their lives. They're, it's, this is going to sound very elementary school, but just be kind. Yeah. Someone looks different and different to what we are used to does Mm. not always classified as a cryptid, especially when it comes to humanoids. Oh. I got very... Like a very touchy feely. It did. (laughs) Like, I work for Undescript Pet Store, and there's we get quite a few clients that come in that look very different from what a normal person would, and they get stared at, and they're usually the nicer people that I deal with. But it's like they're just trying to live their lives, guys. But, it still is unsettling to think about. Oh, absolutely. I mean... This violent, tiny person with a giant head. Um, there are also accounts saying that they have pointed teeth, which, I mean, Ew. sure. Tiny person with pointed, jagged teeth because poor genetics who have violent tendencies rushing at you in the woods in the middle of the night. Yeah, that's terrifying. That's a little unsettling. What show was I watching that they actually made mention to it? Oh, really? Um, I can't remember what show or what, um, if it was something on YouTube, but it was like daring a group of teens daring their friend to spend a night. I think it was actually Asylum. American Horror Story Asylum. Uh, Maybe. Daring these kids to stay the night in the woods where they're said to inhabit right outside a, uh, I don't think it is, I don't remember what I was watching, but it was either a creepypasta or some random TV show. But essentially the premise of what I can remember is a group of teenagers have dared their friends to stay outside of the wood, of a wooded area where an asylum is, where there were escaped um, and escaped inmates and a group of them gets attacked by melonheads kind of thing I'm mad I can't remember what it actually was now oh no but it is what it is so yeah those are melonheads so our final cryptid of our first episode is the Dover Demon which so, uh, I actually don't know a whole lot about. 
Well, buckle in, kid, because I got some stuff to talk about. I, Bill Bartlett, swear on a stack of Bibles that I saw this creature. The statement is scrawled on a pencil sketch of a humanoid being, large glowing eyes set in a bulbous head, and long, thin fingers grip rock. We're talking April 21st, 1977, Dover, Massachusetts, which is a relatively small, white, suburban, upper-middle-class town. Um, it was a fair, breezy night in the low 60s at about 10.30 p.m. Bill Bartlett, who was 17 at the time, was heading north on Farm Street with his friends, Mike Mazaka and Andy Brody. Bill's headlights caught a figure perched atop a rock wall. Had peachy tan skin, it was hairless and rough, quote unquote, like wet sandpaper. Bill claimed its head was watermelon shaped with glassy orange eyes. No nose, no eyelids. It was gangly, all thin limbs and long digits, about three and a half to four feet tall. Now, Mazaka nor Brody, neither of them saw the creature, but Bill's visibly shaken. He brings his friends home, goes home himself. Um, he tells his father what he saw, and he draws a sketch, which um, is kind of unsettling. The, the sketch itself is a little unsettling. Do we want to post the sketch on our Instagram? Social media? I yeah. will. I will post all the visuals on social media. Huzzah! Huzzah! So several hours after Bill Bartlett's sighting, 15-year-old John Baxter is walking home from his girlfriend's place on Miller High Road around midnight. Now, this is the 1970s when your children could walk home at midnight and theoretically be fine. Like, it's a thing that happens. So about a mile north of his, his girlfriend's home, he notices someone walking towards him. He attempts to make contact because he, he thought it was an acquaintance who lived in the area, and the figure takes off. He follows it down to an, into a gully. So in silhouette, there's something similar to a monkey with a head shaped, as he says, like a figure eight. Its feet molded to the rockets to dawn, and it clutched at a tree trunk. John Baxter and this creature stare each other down for minutes. Anise settles in his stomach. He backs out of this gully and, quote-unquote, walked very fast to the intersection of Miller High Road and Farm Street, where Bill Bartlett was heading with his friends. A young couple passed by, picked up young John Baxter and brought him home, where Baxter drew his own encounter. Got it on paper. The next day, April 22nd, again around midnight, 18-year-old William Tainter and 15-year-old Abby Brabham are driving on Springdale Avenue when the creature makes its last appearance. Abby describes the creature much the same way, way as Bill and John do the night prior, but she's adamant to the police because they're reporting these things to the police that the glowing eyes were green, not orange. And when the police tell her that the witnesses say otherwise, Abby said, quote unquote, they were green. I don't care what the boy said. You go, Abby. Press the patriarchy. So the Dover demon hasn't been seen like that. Since, it hasn't been seen since. Um, it was a course of 25 hours, a two-mile straight line in the middle of Dover, Massachusetts, and nothing since. A lot of people chalk it up to some sort of teenage prank. Um, some say it was an alien, but there's no um, UFO activity in the area at the time. Um, 
We are talking two mile straight line along water. Some people say it could even been a moose calf to bring it back to the spectral moose of Maine, separated from its mother, because moose have been seen in the area. There's an illustration um, from a book, I want to say in like the 1800s, early 1900s, 1800s, that is very, very similar. It's, it's kind of eerily similar. But I don't know, number one, I don't know that the moose's eyes would have glowed in silhouette. Mm. Remember, John Baxter sees it in silhouette. Yeah. Um, and they all describe fingers, just really thin, spindly fingers. But it hasn't been seen since. And 40 years later, the town of Dover, Massachusetts still talks about it. Not that long ago, um, Bill Bartlett actually gives an interview with the Boston Globe saying he's, he's actually a fine, like a, an artist now, a fine artist. Um, and he's never drawn it again. He's never told his children. He didn't tell his wife until she found about, out about it in a book. In like a, like a cryptid horror book. And she read about her husband's account with the Dover Demon. Hmm. So not a lot to say about the Dover Demon because it's such a short um, encounter span. Um, but again, if you plot these sightings along like on a map and draw a line through them, it's a straight line about two miles long over the course of 25 hours and then nothing. Now, what's important to remember about the town of Dover, Massachusetts, is that there's only like one high school and it's relatively small. Um, so it's very possible that all three of these kids knew each other. So it could have been some sort of teenage prank because remember the friends in the car with Bill Bartlett didn't see it. Mm. So you have four people all about the same age range. Cause remember you've got Bill Bartlett and William Tainter who was driving 15 year old Abby Brabham. And you've got 15-year-old John Baxter. So you've got two sets of people in the same age range who've all seen this thing and reported to the police. And have you seen the photo? Have you seen the sketches? Um, I'm on the Wikipedia page, so I have Bill Bartlett's sketch. Mm-hmm. I am uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Right? Let me look. You know what it reminds John's me of? What? Do you remember back in like 2007, 2008-ish area that... Mm-hmm. Um, like, know how Hunter set up the cameras that if something walks by, it takes the picture? Yeah. It reminds me of that. Yeah, which I really don't like that picture. I don't like that picture either. And the fact I that, really don't like that picture. Like, the fact that nobody's been able to explain it and haven't been able to prove it as a hoax or otherwise, I don't like that picture either. Um, but it brings me to one of my favorite cryptids. <laughs> the Rake. It's very similar to. Yeah, but I think this thing was bigger, or the the rake is generally bigger. The rake is generally bigger. It's usually about the size of a full-grown adult male. I'm going to say between, like, 5'10", maybe 6 foot at the absolute tallest. Um, What the heck? Uh, Right? Um, Abby Brabham also drew a... um, a sketch um and there's a website i was looking at called the iron skeptic um because you have to look at these things from from both hands like both sides um what would you, 
what would you say you are more believer or skeptic? Um, it's, it's really, it's really dependent on what we're talking about. In this Um, instance. In this instance, no, I'm a little more of a skeptic because it hasn't been seen since and it was such a short, short time span. Now, I know this is going to sound stupid, but which direction was it traveling? Like, um, that's a really good question. Let me bring up that other. There's a newspaper article with a map that I sent. Um, uh, the, map, the map. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Where'd it go? Where's that? Oh, no. No. Ah, oh, but it doesn't say timestamps really... who. Yeah. Because if it's headed towards New York, Canada area, rake, it's the rake. I don't care what anyone says. That's why it hasn't been. But it doesn't have a mouth and it doesn't have a nose. There are accounts of the rake that say that he's blank face too, though. Mm. It's hard to say. Or it's your least favorite thing in the entire world. Aliens. Mm-hmm. I mean, it does look very much like a stereotypical alien. Gray ar- alien. Aryan. Looks Aryan. That's not okay. Um, it does look very much like a stereotypical gray alien. Yes. Got the giant However, head, really thin body. However, uh, it's small. For it's very small. That. It's very small. It's like three and a half to four feet tall. That's, you know. Toddler. Yeah, it's not, what's like eight? Eight-ish, I think. I don't know. So. It is an infant. <laughs> the thing that bothers me mm-hmm. is that people have suggested it being a fuller calf. Moose. Yeah, but I mean, let me, and I'll post this picture as well. There's a photo. But the the part that bothers me about it is, A, it has fingers and, like, right, prominent digits. Unless, Most don't have fingers. Unless it's something that has, like, serious birth defects. Right. I mean, it's kind of cute, though. <laughs> like, it has That's a fierce shape, though. Right, but where's where's the mom moose then? Because there's no way that mama moose isn't more than like a foot and a half behind him. Right. Unless. And she is, and and John Baxter says the thing was walking upright. He must he like mistook it for a friend. Moose don't walk on their hind legs. Rabbit moose with fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Rabbit moose with fingers make it happen. Oh no. Oh yes. Oh, no. Like people fingers, not even like weird. Animals. Oh no, I don't oh, like yes. that. <laughs> yes, apparently while I was poking around, there is an indie movie, like little indie horror movie about the Dover Demon that came out in 2017. Oh, it's probably not good. Probably not. Am I gonna watch it anyway later today? Probably. <laughs> if I can find it. Yeah, that's the Dover Demon. That's 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 the thing. That's a thing. Um, I wish there were more sightings. Um, not because I want teenagers to be scared out of their mind, but it's so compacted. Like but the imagine, whole story 
fits in the palm of your hand. Now, imagine, if you will, these sightings happening now. Looking at 8 billion TikToks of just, like, kids trying to find this thing. <laughs> I love TikTok. I love TikTok, too. It is terrible for my ADHD when I'm actually supposed to be doing things. <laughs> but, like, imagine if... Like, yeah, you get your Bigfoot sightings, you get your UFO sightings. Imagine if, like, these more cryptid sightings were happening today and not being filmed on a potato. Like, homeboy with his, you know, iPhone 11 Pro. Like, why are these people getting all of these videos? Like, no, it's filmed on a Nokia from... Ow. (laughs) From, like, the 80s. Nokias weren't around that long ago. Or... But this is 1977. So, so take long. that for what you will. Are we disclosing what we're doing next episode? Or is it going to be a surprise? It's going to be a surprise because I don't know what we're doing next episode. <laughs> it, it's going to be as much a surprise for you guys as it is for us. <laughs> but thank you guys for listening. Um, this is going to be a labor of love for both of us. Um, yes. Remember, we are independent podcast makers. Um, you can get in touch with us on our Instagram, which is at Sister Strange Podcast. And you can always shoot us an email, which is Sister Strange Podcast at yahoo.com. And we will see you guys in the next episode. Bye. Bye. <laughs> That's how I'm going to end every single episode. Bye. Bye.